Book One, Chapter One of Susan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. Susan by Ernest Old Meadow. Traxelby, Part One. Wednesday, September fifth, nineteen hundred six what on earth is the matter with susan up to yesterday morning i have hardly had to find fault with her more than twice or thrice in four years yet since last night she has richly deserved a dozen sharp scoldings at the very least after all poor grandmamma must have been right my pet granny used to say whenever i told her that susan was a treasure of pure gold my pet i have had thirty or forty treasures myself and i give you my word that even the best of them are only plated off the worst ones the plating wears soon off the better ones it wears late but wait long enough and sooner or later you shall see the copper or the pewter no doubt i ought to be grateful that susan has lasted so well all the same it is maddening that the gilding should choose to come off just as i am on the eve of starting for st veronique sur mer susan says everything is packed but i can't risk it probably she has filled a trunk with opera glasses and fans and forgotten towels and soap first thing in the morning she must unpack and we must both go through everything with a list but it's tiresome beyond words thursday september sixth susan is worse than ever instead of toast she brought me this morning two chunks of bread hardly browned and instead of tea a tepid potion as black as night i have asked her if she is ill but she says she isn't and certainly i never saw her look better in her life the worst of it is that she keeps coming and going with such an air of how shall i describe it not insolence not even indifference it is hard to find the word when i blame her for some blunder she looks for the moment duly meek and sorry and when i send her off on some errand she departs as if she really wants to do her best in her old way and in less than half an hour i am scolding her again on one point i've made up my mind no starting for st veronique till susan's either mended or ended i'll wire du poirier not to expect us till monday gibson shall take the telegram to the village at once and if there's no change for the better before post-time to-night i'll write to alice and borrow that pale little slip of a french maid of hers for the time i shall be in st veronique alice said something last week about sending her back to france for a change perhaps i'll take susan too or perhaps i'll let her go to her friends till i come home again she's been too good a girl all these years for me to part with her just because of what may be no more than a passing slackness and staleness besides susan is the only creature i really like to have about me she is as wholesome and sweet as country cream and rosy-cheeked apples the word i couldn't think of has flashed upon me all of a sudden it's a simple enough word and an obvious and it would have come to me at once if i had had the grace to remember sooner that susan after all is a human being susan is merely preoccupied i ought to have divined it hours ago if i hadn't been so disgustingly devoted to my own right worshipful ease and comfort i've never thought about it before but without doubt susan's cousins and uncles and aunts are as much to susan as my own cousins and uncles and aunts are to me 
indeed i hope and expect that they are vastly more i wonder what is wrong is susan's cousin going to be married or has her aunt joined the salvation army or has her uncle tumbled off a hayrick perhaps it's something far worse anyhow the poor soul must think me adorably sympathetic when i reward her admirable reticence by shrewing her for every insignificant lapse and after the loving fidelity with which she has served me and cherished me so much over and above the best-paid hireling's duty she must find me most consolingly grateful i will make her tell me probably it is something wherein i can give a bit of practical help later i've tackled susan she didn't make it too easy while she was brushing my hair i said abruptly but quite cordially by the way susan i shan't go to st veronique to-night gibson's gone to the village with a telegram i've told m du poirier to meet me on monday by peeping through my hair i could see susan's face in the glass although she couldn't see mine very well miss gertrude susan answered she called me miss gertrude in precisely the tone she has always used ever since she first came to traxelby before alice was married and when grandmamma was still alive and she went on brushing my hair without a pause but i noticed that her cheeks reflected in the glass first paled and then flamed i flung my hair from my eyes and looked up at susan without ado susan i said you are unhappy about something you ought to have told me perhaps i could have helped you in any case i would have been less exacting in my wants and less sharp in my complaints thank you miss said susan unsarcastically and thankfully but she only went on brushing my hair you are unhappy i asked again oh no miss no susan answered quickly and warmly and she brushed my hair harder than ever looking at her once more in the glass i saw that she was speaking the truth her face was still the playground of contending emotions but through her pretty blue eyes her spirit gazed out radiantly at the genial tourney altogether susan looked bewitching in her country print and with her yellow hair and rosy red cheeks she was just the sort of sweet shy rustic english beauty to fall head over heels in love with at first sight the truth blazed upon me like a flash of lightning it was a few moments before i found my tongue that some young man or other should begin to plague my bright-eyed susan was the most natural thing in the world and yet i had no more taken such a thing into my calculations than i had speculated as to what i should do if a burglar broke in by night and walked off with my silver combs and brushes at last i said rather lamely and stiffly at any rate susan you've got something on your mind susan did not reply what is it i asked or rather who is it susan's breath came and went more quickly but still she did not answer i turned over the possibilities in my mind and then put a question point blank is it gibson oh no miss not gibson her response was prompt decisive almost reproachful i'm rather sorry i said gibson's a thoroughly decent steady young fellow and he will get on i hope it's nobody worse than gibson oh no miss said susan swiftly and softly not worse than gibson as she did not offer the swain's name or an account of his person or any further information whatsoever 
i sat dumb and began to feel a bit sulky apart from my personal loss of the best maid a woman ever had i was aggrieved on susan's own account no doubt some small farmer's son had turned her silly little head and won her unguarded little heart and after the rude delights of a rural courtship my neat-handed dainty pink and white susan would have to settle down for forty years to drudge among kine and swine and turnips and most likely a pack of lusty and highly dislikable children the prospect so revolted me that i decided to do my whole duty susan yes miss have you told your people your relations about all this no miss why not there's only my aunt miss said susan dutifully and she doesn't care i've wrote written not wrote say written yes miss i've written to her twice since christmas not to speak of sending a coloured postcard from malvern and she hasn't answered never so much as a word this pricked me i had heard it before and knowing as i did that susan had neither father nor mother nor brother nor sister i ought to have put two and two together and deduced the fact that susan was alone in the world but i had not been interested or unselfish enough to work it out of course of course i said i'd forgotten but susan why have you not spoken about it to me when i found you had no parents didn't i tell you that if you were in any doubt or trouble you were always to come to me yes miss answered susan as dutifully as before and she went on brushing my hair i got up impatiently and went and sat in my big chair by the window no i said never mind my hair for a minute susan i'm very much disappointed and put out you are not treating either me or yourself fairly with things as they are i feel responsible for you all this is very serious you are young and have no experience susan standing three feet away with lowered head heard me out deferentially although she knows quite well that i am six months her junior and that it is hardly a year since i began to look after my own affairs she simply said yes miss susan look at me don't hang your head is this man respectable oh yes miss he says so himself no doubt but the world's full of very strange people who is he where does he come from what is his name susan hung her head again and did not answer i saw that she had something to hide so i tried another way how far has it gone well miss she faltered after a pause he-he's asked me when yesterday miss what did you say i didn't say anything miss susan don't be ridiculous you mean you didn't say no you encouraged him oh no miss susan i won't be trifled with either you encouraged him or you didn't which was it you surely don't expect me to believe that after he'd asked you he was content to walk away without any kind of an answer please miss he didn't ask me that way it was in a letter a letter susan i hope you've said no have nothing at all to do with him a letter indeed why didn't he speak out like a man to your face please miss he couldn't couldn't why not because i've never seen him i burst out laughing the affair was a trifle after all at the most and worst it was some village moon-calf's clumsy wooing 
at the least and likeliest it was a practical joke but susan thought otherwise she stopped laughing at the sight of her proud flush and pain come susan i coaxed be a sensible girl it's some stupid joke no miss said susan firmly then what have you done have you sent a reply yes miss no miss i mean no that is i've written the answer but i haven't posted it that's a good thing what have you said susan was silent quite a long time at length she looked at me plaintively and answered i've wrote written i've written two letters and torn them up again i think the third one is the best but somehow miss it doesn't seem quite right i'm wondering miss yes i'm wondering whether if i brought you his letter miss of course i will susan if it's a letter that ought to be answered i'll do whatever i can bring it to me after lunch thank you miss said susan warmly but her face darkened again as quickly as it had brightened i could see that a great doubt or fear had her in its grip it was unkind of me but i had had enough of the whole business for one morning finish my hair susan i said and i sat down again before the glass susan resumed the work but she had hardly taken one of my tresses into her hand before she flung it from her almost madly and fell on her knees at my feet miss gertrude she cried promise swear before god that you will not take him away from me i was thunderstruck but she was still crouched at my side gripping my knees susan i said sternly you are forgetting yourself get up you are not well go to your room i shall manage my hair somehow go to your room and lie down she gripped me fiercelier than before before god miss gertrude she repeated promise swear swear you won't drive him away drive was a more endurable word besides her fear and anguish were so sincere that my mere dignity shrivelled away like scorched paper in their blaze for a second or two it was impossible to be mistress and maid we were two women susan i said very kindly if i must swear anything i will swear this like you i am fatherless and motherless and i swear that i will do my whole duty by you if i honestly fear that there is misery lurking for you in this offer of marriage i'll work and fight against it even if you kneel here weeping and praying all day for a year but if i can honestly believe that it is for your happiness there's nothing in reason that i won't do to bring it to pass now go to your room she has gone i must take care not to be dragged into any ridiculous positions if susan were a novelette reader it would be a different thing no doubt a weekly orgy of sentiment by proxy is generally effective in making the average young woman immune but susan is still a child of nature and if this letter-writing suitor is a scoundrel as i expect he is the poor child has some bad hours ahead i wish most heartily it hadn't happened and to think that by this time to-morrow i was to have been settled down cosily at st veronique two o'clock how lovely lunching alone once again somehow a visitor always begins to send my spirits down and down and down after the first two or three days when i saw her off yesterday i felt i couldn't have stood even alice much longer how different we are 
if alice knew that i wasn't going to france till monday she would worry about my loneliness just as she would worry over my neuralgia or my influenza i expect that at this very moment she is writing a long letter to st veronique on the old text begging me to go into a smaller house and to look out for a companion or to spend the winter with them and i would make a large bet that she'll re-deliver her solemn warning about my solitariness being morbid yet there may be a little in it who knows if susan doesn't stay i may be awfully glad to go to alice's for a month or two after all now for susan and her precious letter after dinner alice is right solitude is a mistake if i hadn't the diary habit i should explode like a shell into little bits still for susan's sake and her incredible adorers it's a good thing there's no one here not even alice if there was anybody at hand to listen i don't see how i could contrive to hold my tongue as it is it only relieves me a very little to scribble it all down in this book no wonder susan undertoasted the toast and overbrewed the tea i don't wonder any longer even at her heroics and melodramatics while she was doing my hair when she brought me her letter addressed in a strong and distinguished hand to miss susan briggs the grange traxelby i saw at a glance that we hadn't to deal with a village bumpkin indeed when i took the sheet of thick good paper from the envelope and saw that it was embossed with the heading ruddington towers i wasn't surprised i concluded instantly that susan's pursuer was one of the three young artists of whom i've heard till i'm tired to death of them the artists lord ruddington is said to have found starving in a chelsea studio i forget whether they've come down here to paint the hall or the chapel susan i said meaning to let her down gently i hope it isn't one of those young artists from london an artist is interesting but he's too impulsive too vain too unreliable i hope oh no miss said susan hurriedly it isn't any of the young gentlemen that's doing the painting and decorating whoever he is i answered he makes himself at home with lord ruddington's best stationery let me see i turned over the sheet and looked for the signature halfway down the third page i found it the writer had signed himself with the single word ruddington susan i demanded almost roughly why didn't you tell me about this at once if you please miss there's no if you please about it why this creature whoever he may be is pretending to be lord ruddington susan burst out crying suddenly and copiously oh miss gertrude she sobbed i-i never thought it was pretending i never dreamed any one could be so cruel i thought it was real as i had begun to read the letter i didn't take much notice but susan sobbed and talked on oh miss she moaned to think i was nearly going to post the answer i should never have been able to look the parish in the face again keep quiet susan i said irritably let me read it through and while susan cried to herself softly i read it straight through turned back again and again to sentences here and there and at last read it from beginning to end once more this is what i read Reddington Towers, September 4th, 1906. I discard the ordinary forms of beginning because this is an extraordinary letter. Since I came to Reddington last Wednesday, I have seen you three times. For the second and for the third times, I am thankful, 
but the first sufficed to open my eyes to the truth there is not now and cannot ever be anywhere any woman in the world save you whom i shall seek for a wife although i did not need to ponder this step for more than a moment on my own account i have considered it long and well on yours i recognize the many and great difficulties in the way but not one of them is insurmountable the person from whom i have learned your name and address has not the faintest notion of what is in my mind if your answer must be that i am too late or that you feel you could not establish my happiness without losing your own no third party need ever know that this has passed between us but if your affection is still yours to give then i shall beg for the earliest possibility of trying to convince you that in bestowing it upon me you would at least not be throwing it away on some one fickle or ungrateful or wilfully unworthy until you give me leave i must say no more ruddington when i finally laid the letter down i became aware of the abundance of susan's tears and the heartiness of her sobs a plan occurred to me i got up and gave susan a key don't be silly susan i said see take this key go to the library unlock the deep drawer in the cabinet by the window bring me that violet leather scrapbook with all the letters and cuttings about lady traxelby's funeral susan dried her eyes and went while she was away i tried to think of course the letter would prove to be a forgery but fortunately there was a quick way of making assurance sure the week after my grandmother died lord ruddington who had only just come of age wrote his condolences to alice from oxford he knew grandmamma rather well as a boy and he had met alice once in town i felt sure we had kept the letter what i meant to do was first to make poor susan look at the real lord ruddington's handwriting with her own eyes and a second to tease or soothe her into a good humour till she could laugh at the practical joke at the same time i made up my mind that if i could identify the joker who was clearly a person of sufficient education to know better he should smart for his insolence and cruelty susan came back hugging the great violet book i opened it in my lap and turned the leaves hating the practical joker more bitterly than ever for reviving these sad and sacred memories in a connection so contemptible susan watched me eagerly she had divined that i was searching for something that bore upon her rosy hopes and ashen disappointment at last i found it there was the heading christ church my heart almost stood still the bold stylish interesting handwriting was unmistakable the real lord ruddington and susan's were one and the same man it was susan who broke the silence oh miss she murmured in awestruck tones i believe it's real after all yes susan i answered slowly it is real i'm sorry truly sorry that i hurt you by my doubts but it is so very extraordinary and it's so very serious and important surely it was best to suspect it till we were certain oh yes miss protested susan gratefully and when i did not speak she glanced coyly towards a second loaded envelope which had been lying on the table beside lord ruddington's what i said surely there isn't another letter is there no miss it's only mine the letter i nearly posted in answer show it to me that is of course if you want me to see it susan pulled out a folded sheet opened it and laid it on my knee the first thing about the document that struck me was the fact that it represented a prodigal consumption of ink 
in the ordinary course susan doesn't write very badly but in answering lord ruddington she had formed the characters slowly and hugely and singly as a child does at school in two places it was evident that sandpaper or a penknife had removed blots altogether it was the sort of handwriting in which one might have expected the milkman to declare to the kitchen-maid the rose is red the violet's blue honey is sweet and so are you susan's answer ran care of the honourable miss langley the grange traxelby september sixth nineteen hundred six sir it was with the most various and lively emotions that i perused your letter to which i am now endeavouring though imperfectly to reply i will have you know sir that the first sentiment provoked in my bosom by your epistle was one of humiliation and chagrin better die i cried a thousand deaths than have lived to forget that modesty which is the ornament of my sex but i protest that after diligently examining my conscience and ransacking my memory i cannot recall a single occasion in our casual intercourse when i have so far fallen from my duty as to offer you encouragement or to invite your present advances nevertheless sir i am not blind to my woman's frailty and at the risk of forfeiting your esteem i will to-day indulge a boldness which i have never practised in the past and will confess shameless that i am that your conversation and person have not been distasteful to me i perceive that my weakness has discovered to you the secret which i fondly hoped to conceal and that i have succeeded but ill in my attempts to dissemble my partiality from eyes and an understanding alas too well accustomed to the sensibility of the female heart you entreat me to dispatch my answer by the hand of your courier or at the latest by to-morrow's coach and you affirm sir that in the meantime you are consumed by the ardours of impatience and that you will partake neither refreshment nor rest far be it from me to prolong sufferings which do me so much honour especially when they are endured by one for whom i have regard and esteem but sir i will have you bear with me while i remind you that this is a business too weighty for haste and that your present protestations of undying fidelity and adoration will be dearly purchased if i must endure in the future the bitter frosts of indifference or the icy blast of reproach and scorn i beseech you sir to temper passion with patience and not to increase by your importunity the insupportable distraction of happy thrice unhappy susan End of book one, part one.